We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. They're going to kill the love of my life. Daisy! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain, for love. Collide, in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Hi there, football fans. I'm Paul Bruno, and I invite you to follow me, as always, at Statsman22. Joining me, as usual, my partner in crime is John McKechnie, who's a busy guy and a great follow, at Johnny McKex. We've reached that late point in the season, John, where the NFL is winding down, and uh, we're actually at the playoff portion of the schedule for season-long league players, so we need to really bring it uh, our very best today in today's show. John, how are you doing today, and what's top of mind for you on this fine uh, Friday afternoon? Doing great, yeah. The, the season's really kind of heading down the final stretch, and, and uh, my Ravens have kind of uh, woken up lately. They, they really uh, kind of took it to the Dolphins last weekend. So uh, all of a sudden, instead of be- dreading this game on Monday night against the Patriots, I'm actually uh, quite looking forward to it. And it actually coincides with the office Christmas party. And uh, the NFL editor is a huge Patriots fan, so him and I are going to be uh, doing a lot of trash talking, uh, you know, between, between sips of eggnog. 
You know what? That's Mike Doria, one of my favorite guys at Rotowire. You be, be, be nice to him, okay? Because I like you guys both, and uh, I don't. Want I like to- him too, but when it comes to the Patriots, it's hard to hold back. <laughs> I get that. I have a lot of enemies with that are that are Steelers fans and Packers fans and all the rest, but I've had them for lunch as a Cowboys fan this year. <laughs> my team beat both of them in their own backyard, so it's That's up right. for you and me. I hope this weekend, in all cases. Well, John, it's Friday, and that means we get to put a bow on RotorWire's weekly series of position-based podcasts where we take a look at the kicker positions and uh, then come up with our best recommendations for full lineups as you and I share our top picks at each position. These choices will make up our FanDuel rosters for this weekend's games. Uh, But first, let's take a look at last night's uh, NFL tilt, a rare Thursday nighter that was a competitive contest, uh, second week in a row that we had competition. I don't know about the quality of play, but uh, what's your sense of what you saw last night? Yeah, as per usual, the, the quality was a little bit down, but, you know, this was a matchup between two teams with, with playoff aspirations. Uh, I think it's always fun to see the Chiefs when they're good, play, playing at home in December. Arrowhead uh, is quite the environment, it seems like, so that, that was a really fun game to watch. It was interesting to see Alex Smith actually kind of take some deep shots down the field. I don't think we're, either of us were, were expecting that one. And then, you know, we, we continue to see the, the emergence of Tyreek Hill, the rookie, um, he was just unbelievably electrifying, you know, in the, in the return game. And, you know, pretty much you get the ball in his hands and he's, he's got a chance to go. I mean, he's got like four two five speed. So he's really a, <clears throat> an exciting player to watch. So that, those are my big takeaways from, from Thursday night's game. Yeah, in addition, I have to think this marked the low point of the year for uh, Raiders quarterback Derek Carr, who picked a Absolutely. very bad time to have a clunker. He only threw for 117 yards, and people that have been on this offense all year had to be shocked with that low total, but credit to the Chiefs defense. On the other hand, Latavius Murray, this guy has picked it up in the, in the last uh, half of the season, uh, again, topping 100 yards in total offense for the third time this year, and second week in a row, actually, scoring his fourth TD over his last three weeks, John. On the flip side, the Chiefs' defense was certainly up to the task of shutting down the Raiders' vaunted passing game, as we suggested, uh, which was a big surprise to me, too. Uh, offensively, the, the stars for the Chiefs were Alex Smith, of course, a quarterback, went 17 for 26 with a TD and a pick and some big yardage. But their offensive stars were the bachelor at the tight end, Travis Kelsey, <laughs> with five grabs for 101 yards. And, of course, Tyreek Hill was maybe the star of the night with six catches for 66 yards and two TDs, including that fabulous punt return touchdown. Spencer Ware was a busy guy, too, but he was limited, really, in the running game, John, with only 56 yards on 20 carries and one catch for seven right. yards. So a bit of a letdown for those of us who were on uh, Ware. Uh, yeah, and you got, the, you got the touchdown vultured as well. That's right. That's right. So uh, at least that, that helps uh, juice his numbers a little bit. A tough note for the Chiefs, though. They may have lost Derek Johnson for a while. He suffered a ruptured Achilles, and that's a huge blow for this defense. They're at the top of the division, but uh, that's a crippling blow, I think. Definitely. That's his, that's his second one of his career, so that, I, I hated to see that. Yeah, I, I You could kind of tell that he knew right away. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. awful. Yeah, he'll be gone for the rest of the season in, uh, in all likelihood, and that's a tough, tough blow for that defense and, yeah. and their playoff aspirations too. John, let's get they, they got Rameek, middle, Rameek Wilson in the middle, my fellow Georgia Bulldog. I used to have class with him, so I have faith. There you go. Well, a little bit of inside knowledge there, and hopefully your buddy <laughs> does pick it up for them. They certainly will need a big help from him uh, the rest of the way. Let's, yes. get into, let's get into some questions, some headlines, John. Uh, this week we heard a recent announcement that the London experiment, as I like to call it, will continue next year with four <laughs> games over home. How do you feel about that? 
you know, this is a thing kind of like the Thursday night games where, where the product is continually subpar. And we've seen that over a large enough sample size now. But as long as there's money to be made and there's another window to open up for, for people to watch football, the NFL is going to take advantage of it. So, I mean, it's not like these London games seem to be going anywhere. You know, like you said, there are going to be four again next year. I think Baltimore might actually be in, in the consideration to, to play over there. They're one of the few teams that has yet to play over in London. So I'm not, you know, overly enthused by these London games, uh, especially, you know, having to get up really early to watch your team on a Sunday if you're living, you know, in North America. But, you know, I, they're not going anywhere, so you might as well get used to it, it seems like. I think you're right on the money there. I'm not too sure about uh their, the quality of those games, like the Thursday nighters, the schedule I think has to be tweaked to a, at least accommodate the teams. Maybe the week after they play in London, they get a bye, or or they get uh, a little bit of an extension on on maybe playing Monday night or something like that, just to give them an extra day. So so maybe that right. that'll be part of the schedule going forward as well. Who knows? Maybe building another another week into the schedule to spread things out might be another factor as uh, in, that comes into play. Yeah, that's something that makes sense to me, actually. A second bye week, I think, would, would do the players good. Yeah, I think that's probably something that they ought to look at. I mean, what's one more week to the schedule? Maybe start one week earlier or, or finish one week later. It doesn't seem to matter too much at either end of the spectrum for me. Right. Uh, how do you feel about the disaster that's been the Carolina Panthers season this year, John? It seems like the like the team is, has almost reached this, this almost quitting point. And uh, it, it started earlier in the season... Uh, and I think that I think the loss of Josh Norman at the time wasn't perceived to be that huge of a deal is, you know, like he had a great year in his contract year that happens sometimes. But, you know, his impact for the Redskins has been massive and his absence for the Panthers has has led to uh, one of the worst secondaries in, in the entire NFL. And that that's such a such a 180 from, from last year when it was such a lockdown unit across the board. So I think that's been the, the big thing. And the offense doesn't seem to be clicking. We, we've seen Jonathan Stewart kind of regress to where he has been for most of his career, whereas last year he was healthy and electric and, and you know, running all over everybody. That the run, the run game isn't clicking for them. I think that tends to be the key for the Carolina offense, and it just hasn't been this year. And thus the, the passing game has suffered as well. So the offense looks out of sorts. It looks like Ron Rivera doesn't really know what's going on. They, they had the weird uh, one-play suspension for Cam Newton last week that, that went about as bad as, he could, as it possibly could have. So, yeah, the, things are not looking great for the Panthers right now. Yeah, and you have to rate Newton as the biggest disappointment maybe across the entire NFL spectrum for uh, the fact that he was an N MVP last year and this year, not even close, maybe not even in the top 500 players if you had to rank them right now. Crazy how that's gone. It's been rough, yeah. Yeah. Prediction time, John. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot here with the next question. Of the three six and six clubs in the AFC South, who takes the, the, the division title and why? And I note also that we have a big game in that regard with Houston at Indy this weekend. A very big tilt for both clubs, obviously. Right. I, I think when we're when we're looking at something like like this, where we got three teams of equal record, I I usually go tie goes to the best quarterback, and I think Andrew Luck is the clear answer there. And thus, I, I would have to lean towards Indianapolis. I don't love the Indianapolis team's makeup overall. I think their defense is kind of weak, but I think Luck tends to make up for a lot of their deficiencies in other areas. So I give give them the slight nod. Plus, Indianapolis has a, has a relatively easy schedule. I really like Tennessee's makeup the best of the bunch, 
but they have games against the Broncos this weekend and at the Chiefs next weekend. I think that's that could be two losses right there that, that puts them, you know, at six and eight with two with two games to go. I think that's going to be really, really tough. I think Indianapolis gets the win over Houston this week. Houston just isn't as good on the road as it is at home. So, I, I've, yeah, I'm leaning towards Indianapolis here. What do you think? Well, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I, I think Andrew Luck is, is maybe the best quarterback in this division, and I think that you've got to lean on him when uh, push comes to shove in these crunch games, and, and that could be the deciding factor, the quarterback play. Uh, so that's my, my tendency as well. Uh, as for you and me, John, two games definitely stand out this weekend, and we've played in prime time. Seems like the Cowboys are a lot to be prime time the rest of the year, in fact, despite the fact they might be playing meaningless games to, to finish up the schedule, it looks like. But this weekend they get the Giants in the Meadowlands, and your Ravens are at the Patriots. Uh, I want you to tell me what's going to happen in the Giants-Cowboys game first, and then we'll break down the Patriot, uh, Patriots-Ravens tilt afterwards. Uh, this is this is going to be an interesting game. You know, the the Giants' run defense is is improved over last year. It's it's an improved unit overall. So uh, we're, we're it's going to be interesting to see how this Cowboys team. You know, they they played earlier in the season. They they didn't look as great against the Giants, but you know, this offense really is clicking now. They're coming off a, you know an extra couple of days, so I think Zeke is going to be even fresher than usual, and that does spell trouble for the Giants. So I, I could see I see this being a close one. A little bit of a shootout. I could see it going maybe Cowboys uh, 28, Giants 24, something in that neighborhood. Uh, it's going to be a hard-fought game. I'm really looking forward to that one. And as far as the Ravens-Patriots game is concerned, there's supposed to be some wintry conditions up in Foxborough. That, al- that always you know, plays a role to an extent. But you know, with a guy like Brady, he's shown it time and time again the weather doesn't really affect him much so I still look for the Patriots to throw the ball a lot especially to kind of get away from the Ravens run defense that's tops in the league so it's really going to be on the on the Ravens secondary to, to try to limit uh, what what the Patriots can do through the air I know that Rob Gronkowski is obviously out for the season and Amendola is limited uh, so so the weapons are, are going to be a little bit different it's going to be a lot of Edelman and Malcolm Mitchell but if the Ravens can slow that down uh, and kind of turn it into a slugfest, then I give them a chance. But if Brady continues to have success, uh, then I, I think it's going to be a long night for the Ravens. The way I see this, John, the Ravens have been the Patriots' kryptonite uh, over the last couple of years. This, uh, this matchup has gone Baltimore's way, or it certainly has been uh, something that Baltimore's kept in check uh, over the last few seasons, largely on the strength of their defense, which has really come to the fore over the last few weeks. And I look for that trend to continue. I, I picked the Ravens to upset the Pats this weekend. And, and I hope you're right. It's been a long while since anybody's picked the, the Patriots to lose at home. But uh, I, I'm on the Ravens this weekend, mostly because of their defense. And I like the fact that they have some weapons on offense that uh, the, the, the veteran uh, Smith, that wide receiver, uh, has a partner now on the, on the, among the wideouts, and they've been causing a lot of headaches in the passing game as well. So uh, I, I think there's enough weapons in Baltimore's arsenal to match with the Patriots offensively, and I give them the upper hand defensively. As far as the Giants-Cowboys still, I'm a little wary of this one because uh, everything's been coming up roses for my Cowboys with 11 straight wins. They could be 12-0 and 0 heading into this game with that narrow one-point loss still bothering me. And then I'm sure that could be a cause for them to rally around and say, you know what, let's give it back to these guys and show them who's the boss. But if they open the door a crack, this division's up for grabs the rest of the way. I think the Giants are the second-best team in the NFC, and it's, uh, it's almost a crime that they're in the same division, I think. 
No, that's a fair point. They, they're a very talented team, and they, they seem to be kind of clicking on all cylinders just like the Cowboys right now. So, that, like I said, that's going to be one of the best games of the weekend. John, let's, uh, as I said in the opening today, we're going to finish our weekly show cycle with a look at the best kicker values on the board. Let's take a look at the, the FanDuel prices. Let's break it down by tiers. We'll start with the top two guys over $5,000 in value. Who do you like uh, more of these two, or would you, would you buy into uh, Matt Bryant or Adam Vinatieri this week? First of all, I think we're kind of getting robbed uh, of, of what we have to pick from this week as far as our kickers go because we have no Kyra Santos, no Janikowski, no Tucker, no Goskowski. So, you know, that, that kind of erases four of the best uh, kicking options on a week-to-week basis off of, off of the menu here. But uh, this week, for, for our purposes, we got uh, Matt Bryant, 5,200 at the Rams, and we got Adam Vinatieri kicking at home. Uh, checking in at 5,100 against Houston. If I had to pick between the two of them, I'm probably leaning Vinatieri. I mean, it's not the, like Bryant is going to have any issues out, out in Los Angeles weather-wise or conditions-wise, but I think Vinatieri, you know, at home, on the turf, I think that he's he's more of an automatic at this point. He doesn't quite have the range that Bryant does, so that limits his, his ability to, to, you know, hit those 50 yarders the way Bryant can, but I think he's going to see enough chances uh, against Houston to where I would pick him over Bryant if I'm paying up that premium price for my kicker. You know what? At the top end of the board, there is value here, and if you could squeeze either of these guys in, I think it's a good play. They have mismatches, I think, uh, that they can look forward to. I pick Indy like you did over Houston, but I like Atlanta big over Los Angeles. That means big, a lot of scoring opportunities for both of these guys. We move down a little bit, John, to the 4,600 to 4,900 range. Who do you like in that uh, grouping of about uh, seven or eight kickers? Well, we, we have a pretty big tier here, so I'm, I'm going to highlight a few guys here. We, we got Matt Prater checking in 4,900. Yeah, he's kicking at home against the Bears. I, I think that this is going to be a relatively high-scoring game, uh, not a lot of defense on either side, and it's going to be in the Dome. Uh, at Ford Field so that you don't have to worry about the weather there. So I, I definitely wouldn't fault anyone that, that goes after uh, Prater in this one. Will Lutz at 4,800 going against Tampa Bay. Uh, this is a game that, that has the highest projected over-under uh, of the weekend, so that's always something to consider when you're looking at, at, at your kickers here. Uh, then moving down the board, we got Stephen Hauschka and, and Mason Crosby uh, at Green Bay. I'm really not sure if I, if I like either of those guys kicking in Green Bay in December. I think that's kind of something that makes me move off of, off of both of those guys as far as my kickers are concerned. Uh, and then we got Josh Lambeau uh, checking in at 4,600 going to Carolina. So that, the weather shouldn't be a factor there, and that's also a pretty uh, highly projected scoring game as well. You know what? You make a great point about the weather situation. In a couple of cities, they're calling for snow, and that's Green Bay and Buffalo. Surprise, surprise. So I'm, I'm staying away from both, uh, all four clubs in those two games myself. Yes. So I, lo- I love the calls you made and why you made them, and I don't have any disagreement at all. I think I'll add Dan Bailey to the mix just simply because he is going to get some scoring chances against a team that will stop the Cowboys from getting into the end zone. But the Cowboys will, if, as long as they cross center field, this guy's going to get a shot, and a couple of them could be long ones too, so that could be extra point value as well. So I think the only thing that concerns me about Bailey is just MetLife Stadium, East Rutherford just always kind of seems to be like a, this really windy mess around this time of year. So that, that would be my one concern off of Bailey. Obviously, you don't see Bailey at 4,700 too often, but I think this is a week where I, I might uh, lean elsewhere. John, without giving away your kicker play of the day, uh, what do you got at the $4,500 level? Uh, down here, we, we've got Andrew Franks playing against the, the uh, Cardinals. We have Robert, Roberto Aguayo, the rookie, who's been 
a very inconsistent uh, kind of big disappointment considering that he was not only drafted but drafted it in the second round but then again high projected over under so may, maybe he has uh, some some intrigue there uh, Mike Nugent uh, going against the Browns you, you got to figure that, that the Bengals will, will get plenty of scoring chances against that Browns defense uh, and then Nick Folk and Phil Dawson uh, you know that's that's maybe the ugliest game of the season w- would you say that the, the, the the Jets versus 49ers. So, I mean, maybe that's maybe that turns into a field goal fest. Maybe that's something that, that you want to consider when you're picking your kicker this week. A good idea there, too. And uh, I, I would add maybe uh, Phil Dawson might be a guy that you're on. Uh, if you have to pick a kicker, you might go to that game and say Phil Dawson and Folk might be guys that if, they, if it turns into a, a, a game dominated by the defense just because the offense is stink. They might get some shots, but otherwise, I'd stay away from that game, too. John, I'm not going to give away my kicker, but I want you to go first, and then I'll come back with mine. I'm going to lean on on Josh Lambeau here of the Chargers, checking in at 4,600 against the Panthers. Uh, This is kind of a a process of an elimination here. I wanted to stay cheap with my kicker this week. I wanted to go for a high over-under. This game has the second-highest projected over-under behind uh, the Saints versus the Bucks, And I wanted to, to have my kicker going somewhere warm. Uh, where weather wouldn't be an issue. So Lambo Lambo just kind of fit the bill in, in all of those criteria. So I went with with him. Uh, he hasn't had double-digit uh, output in his last three games, but he did have a stretch where he had 11 or more in four of six games. So I'm expecting a bit of a shootout, which raises Lambo's floor, uh, especially when you're considering a cheaper kicking option. I think that a high fl- uh, his floor is about as high as you're going to get for a guy in that price range. John, I, I look for the, the mismatch here to see who's going to get scoring opportunities. And, and there's a screaming one with Mike Nugent in Cleveland against the, the, the terrible Browns team. I think you and I could get a group of people together and, and scare that Browns team in a, in Seems a like it. game. This is a $4,500 play, and I think it's a great value. They're expecting foggy conditions and 29 degrees, which could limit offenses a bit, and that might uh, put Nugent on the field more often than others might expect where Bengals would otherwise go right to the end zone. But they still will move the ball easily and get multiple scoring chances here. He's only missed two field goals inside of 50 yards all season. So I think this low price represents a real bargain here. Easily the best, in my opinion, on the FanDuel board. Oddly, though, this is funny, John. He's missed five tries, uh, point after uh, touchdown tries out of 26 attempts. That's weird when you think he's been almost perfect on the field goal side of things. I, I don't get that. Yeah, I guess he gets the yips when, when uh, the Bengals score a touchdown. That has been, that has been kind of one of the odder uh, anomalies among kickers this year. Yeah, well, let's, let's take a moment before we go through the rest of our rosters to remind our listeners about FanDuel, John, where fantasy football fans have all the victory every Sunday with FanDuel. Fantasy football for everyday fans. There's new contests starting every week, no busted seasons at all. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score in real time. New this year, there's an upgraded experience where you get even more contest variety. Try beginner contests for new players only. Settle a score with a friend in a head-to-head deal. Try a 50-50 contest where the top half win cash. Play in larger tournaments for even more excitement. Play for a dollar. There's choices for every budget. John, I get to crow a little bit this week because I, I got a hold of both Vegas League final regular season standings, and you're talking to the guy who led the world of Rotowire in FanDuel points scored all season long. I qualified qualified only as a second seed in my pool to Jeff Erickson, who's the only guy who outscored me with 10 wins out of the 13 games. I got nine. 
and my team does get a bye this week, so I've had a great year, but uh, I'm, I feel a bit sorry for you because you narrowly missed coming into the playoffs, and your season, your long season has come to a bit of an end here, but how close were you to getting into the postseason, friend? Uh, I was relatively close from a points perspective here, but I, I don't think my record w was quite going to be enough, even if I got the win last week. I made the mistake of sitting Golden Tate uh, for, for Marquez Wilson, trying to trying to go a little contrarian, and that, that really burned me hard. I know if the listeners out there, they probably just don't want to listen to me talk about football anymore after a move like that, but... Uh, you know, that, that cost me a little bit, uh, and, you know, throughout the year, having the Roethlisberger injury definitely hindered me a little bit, but I'm in a lot of fantasy leagues, so I am in the playoffs in a lot of other spots, uh, so I, I do still have something to look forward here, and then obviously I'm looking forward to this, this weekend's DFS slate a lot. Exactly, and uh, the bottom line, all season long for both of us, we've had a lot of fun in FanDuel, and you could too have all the fun with fantasy football has to offer. FanDuel, be sports rich. There's a special offer for new users where you get a free six-month RotoWire subscription with a $10 deposit on FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash RW. Not only will you get the free subscription, but you'll have that $10 available to play with on FanDuel. That's over $40 in value for just 10 bucks. Go to FanDuel.com slash RW. All right, John, it's time for the rest of our FanDuel lineups. I'll include a weather note this week. I'll re repeat it. Uh, there's snow that could be a factor in Buffalo and Green Bay and fog in uh, Cleveland possibly. No surprise there in any of those locales, but it affects the calls uh, in some of the games, I think. Let's take a look at your quarterback position and move through the slate here. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the weather definitely is a factor here, but that that's sort of why I'm going uh, this route. I'm going to go with Aaron Rodgers at 8,000 because you don't always see Aaron Rodgers at 8,000, and I, I think that the idea of, of the wintry conditions that we saw last week possibly prepping up again in Green Bay is going to move some people off of him. Plus, he's got a bit of a bulky hamstring right now that, that we've seen, so that, that's something that also might drive down his ownership. So in a tournament type of setting, I really like Rodgers here. He's got a, a streak of seven straight uh, multi-touchdown games. He's at home. The weather doesn't seem to affect him too much in general. You know, he's used to playing in that kind of weather. And I think the loss of Earl Thomas for Seattle is, is massive. I think that really changes uh, the, the intimidation factor. They're secondary. He's done for the year with the, with the cracked tibia. So I think that takes some of the bite out of the Legion of Boom here. And I think that Rodgers will be able to hit value for you at, at, a, at a price that's really uh, pretty reasonable for, for a quarterback that's that talented and that's on this the kind of hot streak that he's on. Yeah, to echo what you said, John, uh, Rodgers' record uh, among the active quarterbacks is one of the best ones in the month of December. So uh, a little bit of a snowfall doesn't bother him. He's used to it in, in the friendly confines of Lambeau and the frozen tundra. So I, yes. I'm, I'm quite in concert with what you think there. I think it's a good price point to attract some people who, who feel the same way we both do on this circumstance. But I'm going to counter. I'm going to spend in the same range, go a little bit lower than you, picking Kirk Cousins of the Redskins against uh, the Eagles at 7600 bucks. I'm making this pick influenced a little bit by my Wednesday and Thursday co-host James Seltzer, who's a big Eagles fan, John. And he told me this, this week that this Eagles team is playing so poorly of late that he's, he's really fed up. And I agree. I, I don't like what I've seen out of this group in the last several weeks. Meanwhile, Cousins ranks in top three in the NFL in completions and passing yards. That sounds like a, a mismatch of epic proportions here. So I'll jump all over it, save my money against some pricier options that we both avoided on the board, particularly guys like Dalton and Ryan. 
who are higher priced, but they'll be missing their top wide receiver targets. And that's something of a consideration when you're making this pick, too. You've got to see about the health of the receiver core. I note that the Washington receiver core is all healthy, save for Jordan Reed, but Vernon Davis has stepped up to fill a void at tight end. So I'm quite comfortable picking Cousins in this matchup. Yes. Your wide receivers, John. We're going to jump into the running back uh, first uh, sorry, here. Running uh, backs. My apologies. Let's go with the All good. Um, I'm going to start off uh, with one of the pricier guys on the board here, but I think he's well worth it. We got Le'Veon Bell checking in at 9,000, going against Buffalo. And, you know, like you said, games in Buffalo in December kind of always mean that the run game is a major point of emphasis. And that really doesn't bode well for the Bills with, with a guy like Le'Veon coming to town. He had 100% of the market share of the touches out of the backfield last weekend. He, had, he went for 35 uh, different touches against, uh, you know, last week, in last week's uh, matchup against the Giants. Uh, so I, I look for him to see a lot of touches out of that backfield. And the Bills, you know, despite being uh, that, that Ryan Brothers brand of defense, only ranked 24th against the run as far as uh, Football Outsiders DVOA metric is concerned. So very subpar run defense. And I think they're going to get a heavy dosage of Bell, especially with that weather. So I think that he's definitely a, a guy to consider uh, if you're going for a higher-priced running back here. Uh, my second running back... Uh, is Jordan Howard. He was kind of one of the darlings of, of last week. I think he was probably a part of a lot of the bigger cashing lineups. Uh, he checks in at 7,800, so you do have to pay up for him a bit. But he's going against Detroit. The Lions are pretty bad against the run overall. They're actually 25th as far as DVOA is concerned. Uh, Howard saw a kind of unsustainable amount of touches last week. He, he got 32 carries, uh, and that was partially due to, to game flow because the Bears somehow got a huge lead on the, on the 49ers and the weather conditions kind of uh, made, made it so the, the Bears were going to run the ball a lot. So I see that number dipping down into the lower 20s this week, but I still think uh, if you're getting a running back of Howard's talent, seeing 20-plus touches against the Lions defense on a fast track on, at Ford Field, I think you have to at least uh, put him into consideration here. So I, I really like Howard at 7,800 this week. I like both your picks. Uh, for me, the, the solid running back tandem has been a real key to success in in uh, these weekly contests that, that I've seen, the winners picking, and whenever I've had success, it's been largely due to the success of the running back. I'm hoping that I get two guys that do the trick this week. I'm really happy to say, finally, I get Matt Forte into my lineup at 7,600 bucks uh, against the 49ers. Uh, for several weeks, I've picked other running backs who've catch passes as well as run the ball like he does, often comparing them to Matt Forte. That's because I've owned him in fantasy, a lot of fantasy leagues over the last three years, and he was a key part of my successes in a lot of cases back then. I didn't pick him this season in any of my season-long leagues, but the guy is still having a very nice year, John, already topping 1,000 yards in total offense, and I pick him this weekend because he faces that awful Niners defense, which ranks dead last in the league against the run, and this will I think he's going to cause him a lot of headaches, and he'll reward me once again just for old time's sake. Yes. I'll pair him up with the top guy on the board. That's David Johnson of the Cards against Miami. Weather's not expected to be a factor here, obviously, but I gladly pay to the top of the running back board to grab a guy who produced 175 yards of total offense with a couple of TDs last week against Washington and is one of only three running backs who already has 1,000 yards. And, oh, yeah, did I mention the Dolphins are tied for 30th in the league defending against the run? So sometimes, John, you have to lean on those numbers and look for this, uh, the, the mismatches, and I think I found one there. 
I think you did too. And, and to your point about Forte, especially, I think, you know, considering that the Jets are going to be starting Bryce Petty, I think they're going to really be leaning heavily on Forte to sort of drive that offense. So, you know, going against the 49ers, I think Forte is a great pick this week, especially. And then obviously David Johnson always gets the job done. He's a lock. Right. So your wide receivers, John, let's hear the three of them. Uh, I'm going to go starting out uh, most expensive receiver on the board for our purposes. We got Mike Evans checking in at 8,900. Uh, going against New Orleans, uh, so he is the priciest guy, but it's with good reason. He's the best receiver in a game where there's the highest projected over-under by a fair margin. I think it's the only one projected to go over 50 points uh, in Vegas's eyes. The Saints ranked 26 against the pass. Uh, he's seen 10-plus targets in all but three games this season, so you know Winston's going to be looking his way a lot. And I don't think that the Saints really have the manpower to really slow, slow a guy like Evans, who's just a physical uh, freak. Uh, I think he's just going to have a huge game this week. He's definitely my favorite receiver on the board. Uh, moving down to my second receiver, might be chasing points a little bit here, but Golden Tate, 6,300, going against the Bears. Uh, but he's seen 17 targets over the last two weeks. Lions always throw it a ton, and we're looking at guys like Marvin Jones and Eric Ebron at both uh, playing at less than 100%, both dealing with some leg injuries here. So. Uh, those targets have to go somewhere, and it seem, they seem to be funneling down to Tate a lot. And I think going against a bare secondary that's not overly imposing and it's going to be played in a dome, I think that I like Tate's chances a lot this week. And then uh, to your point with Kirk Cousins, I'm going to pick one of his options. It's a cheaper play here, but Deshaun Jackson at 5,800 going against his former team, so you know he's going to get juiced for that one. And without Jordan, if they don't have Jordan Reed, those targets also need to be redistributed a little bit. So Jackson doesn't need a ton of targets to really uh, pay off for you. He's definitely a tournament consideration more so than a cash game because you don't figure he's going to see those eight, nine targets uh, like some of those other Washington wideouts. But he, you know, he can do some serious damage with just three catches. So I think at 5,800, he's, he's kind of a dart this week, but I kind of like it. And I'm going to counter, and I'll include one of the Washington receivers in my mix, too. I'm going to counter with this trio, Tyrell Williams of the Chargers at $6,800. He's one of the three guys in this tier that I, I like. I, I've avoided the top of the board to accommodate some of my expensive picks elsewhere. I spoke of Mitch mis mismatches earlier and jump on one here, too, though, John, which is a little surprising when I note that the Panthers' defense has surrendered the most yardage through the air this season. Another aspect to explain their downfall all season, in my opinion. Williams has been the most productive of the Chargers wide receivers thus far, and he gets a great chance to pad those stats this week. I'm happy to get him at this low price, and, and uh, our listeners should be too. Uh, I'll, I'll, uh, the Washington guy of choice that I'm taking is Jamison Crowder at $6,400 against Philadelphia. I have to pair a wideout with uh, his quarterback, whom I've already chosen this week, and Crowder gets the nod because he should be Cousins' favorite target in the passing game as he's been the top producer among Washington wideouts all season long. Five of his last, uh, seven TDs have come in the last five games, too. So he's shown a real nose for Pater of late, and I say he's a red zone success story this weekend as well. Finally, I'm uh, going to go with a guy to pair up with your quarterback. I'm going to go with Jordy Nelson of the Packers against Seattle for $7,100. This is another price that's dampened not only by the quality of the defense that he faces, but by the expected conditions. But he's played in this snow before in Green Bay, and I don't think that's going to be a factor at all to hinder him. He's second in the league among wide receivers with 10 TDs and has improved steadily this season to reclaim his status as the top Green Bay pass catcher, which pass catcher with five TDs in his last six games. I know this is going to be a tough matchup, but I'm banking on the fact that Aaron Rodgers will rely heavily on Nelson to conspire for a big, few big play attempts in this matchup at least. 
John, you're wide, you're a tight end. I'm going to go with Antonio Gates here. You know, to, to your point about Tyrell Williams, they're, they're going against a, a Panthers defense that, that really is toothless compared to what we've seen in years past. This isn't an overly, overly flashy pick, and his price reflects that. He's at 5,200. But Gates just has a really nice floor amongst, amongst the, the cheaper tight ends. He's caught four more passes in six of his last seven games. He's got four touchdowns in that stretch. And Carolina ranks second uh, when it or 22nd when it comes to defending opposing tight ends. So I think that Gates is going to see the requisite number of targets to to get the that four to five catch range. And you got to figure at least one or two of those are going to be in the red zone. So I think that Gates has a really nice chance of, of finding the end zone this week and at least you know pro- providing you a, a decent output from a cheaper tight end position if that's the way that you want to construct your lineup. And I'm going to counter with C.J. Fedorowicz of the Texans. Man, when you look over the slate of games that this guy's had recently and what he faces in the future, I, I think we could easily be on him the rest of the season. At $5,100, I know a lot of people are down on Texans quarterback Brock Osweiler, but he's made Fedorowicz the preferred pass-receiving option here with an average of over seven targets per week over the last eight games. And he also gets the benefit of another weak pass defense that he faces. He's had a string of them, and he will continue in the next couple of weeks as well. So I'll take him over several pricier options, relying on a high volume of activity to capitalize here against the woeful Saints defense. And speaking of defenses, John, your defensive choice this weekend. Uh, I'm kind of cherry-picking this one, and, you know, i got to pay for it because they're 5,000. But the Bengals, I think, going against that that Browns D, uh, offense, uh, especially with those foggy conditions that you mentioned, I think that the, that if you have the amount of cap space left over from from the rest of your lineup uh, in order to allow you to get the Bengals, I'd say just go for it. I think that you know they're, they're pretty talented across across all uh, all fronts of their of their defense along the line in the linebacking core and in the secondary, and I think that that should be enough to really kind of hold the Browns. Uh, to well under 20 points, and I think that they're going to cause some turnovers along the way here. So I think the Bengals, you are going to have to pay for them, but, but I think they're a very safe play on defense if you have the cash. Yeah, I think this is one of two huge mismatches uh, at the top of the board. The other one that I like is Minnesota for $4,800. In keeping with my recent trend of picking near the top of the board and defenses, I like the tough Vikings defense, which ranks third in total offense allowed as they face off against a Jaguar offense that is littered with key injuries at their offensive skill positions right now and ranks near the bo- in the bottom third of the league in total offense this season. A dreadful campaign that has this club limping toward the finish line. So I'm all over the Vikings in this one. John, as I do every week, I want to give you a tip of the cap for your work on not only this DFS pod, but the great job that you and Mario Puig do on the College Football Podcast. I know we're getting into the serious shooting in the NFL, but the same goes for the college game. What can you tease about uh, your current podcast in the next couple of weeks. Appreciate that. Well, last weekend was sort of championship weekend, uh, so we took a look at, at those games uh, with, with, you know, kind of highlighted by, by the playoffs, uh, kind of being boiled down to Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Washington. I'm really looking forward to those. Uh, Mario and I are going to be doing our bowl kind of extravaganza podcast. It's going to be breaking down every single bowl matchup and giving you our, our, our picks against the spread and players to look out for in each game. So that'll be coming out this Wednesday. Uh, I've already started to look into the prep work for that. There are some really, really ugly bowl matchups, but we're going to try to pretty them up nice for everybody. So it, I'm looking forward to that one. You guys should be too. And I, you know what? I will jump all over that because I want to get in on a college uh, 
bowl pool that my friends organize, and I'm going to go in there with some insider knowledge thanks to you, pal. You know it. <laughs> Who's your pick of the day on, among the choices we've made today so far, John? Uh, I, I got to go with Mike Evans here. I think that he's just, like I said, the most talented receiver in a game that that is projected to be a shootout in every sense of the word. Here we got the Saints, you know, coming down to Tampa Bay division matchup. These two guys, these two teams, always seem to put up huge numbers every time that they play each other. I think Evans is going to be at the forefront of that. I, I look for him to see double-digit targets again. Like I said, he's he's he only has seen less than ten targets three times all season long. So I think Winston's going to be looking in his direction and the Saints don't really have an answer for for a guy that's 6'5 with with great hands and great leaping ability like Evans. True enough. He's really opened my eyes in in his second half performance particularly. I'm going to counter with a chalky pick. Dave Johnson of the Cardinals. I have never picked to the top of the board in the running backs all season long, but this is one time where I happily had the latitude to do so and I think this guy's going to deliver the goods. It's that simple. His numbers don't lie and and nor does the mismatch... uh, look like anything less than a huge mismatch this week in his particular contest. So there you have it for John McKechnie, who you can follow at Johnny McKex. I'm Paul Bruno reminding you to follow me at Statsman22. We wish you good luck with your FanDuel picks. Come back to listen to our podcast on a daily basis to get an edge on the competition. So long, everybody. Quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain for love. Collide in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13. Maybe inappropriate for children under 13.